Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Do The Work Podcast. My name is Sabrina Zohar, and I am your host. Happy New Year's, friends. I'm so excited. It seemed like the New Year's Eve episode and the New Year's episode with Masha were a fucking hit. So I am so excited. And this today, guys, we have Logan Cohen. He is one of my favorite TikTokers. He is a licensed therapist and trauma-informed coach. And so I have him on today so that we can talk about navigating codependency, trauma bonds, and how to be alone and okay and in or out of a relationship so in dating and I think you know I take shit like this very seriously I didn't want to just have anybody come on I wanted a trauma-informed coach that really understands the ins and outs of this to talk about it because yeah I could say shit all day from personal experience but I wanted someone licensed that actually can attest to this stuff and you know there's so much clickbait and bullshit on the internet that we have to be very cognizant of the the people that we talk to so I'm so amped and guys as always thank you for everything thank you thank you thank you for rating the show Please, guys, go on Spotify and rate the show. It's three dots towards the top, like where it says do the work and it says the rating. And then there's three little dots. Click that press rate show. It takes you all of about a second and a half. On on Apple, you scroll to the bottom. You can leave a review. Guys, they help me so much more than you think. Like sharing the podcast, listening to it its entirety, and rating the show are how we grow. That's how Spotify and all these um, websites kind of figure that out. And that's how I can get better guests and do all that. So please don't forget to do that. Thank you guys all for, for promoting and helping with the sponsors. Thank you guys for purchasing things. Thank you guys for supporting. Like that's how I can keep the show free. I'm amped. We're going to have bonus content coming soon. It's going to be like eight bucks a month. It's going to be cheap, but it'll be two to four new bonus episodes a month. Q&As, profile audits live. It's going to be with me and Tech Guide. It's going to be awesome and it'll be ad free. So that's coming soon. Same with the website, SabrinaZohar.com is getting built out. So soon enough, I'll have my courses that are coming out. And I made it less than a one-on-one with me. That is an eight-week course because I really want to fucking help as many people as I can. And I can't I can't do that with one-on-ones with everybody. So as always, if you need anything, it's going to be in the link in show notes. The new program I've been doing has been amazing. I've been seeing the results with my clients. There is, I think, one or two spots left. So if you guys want to join the membership, you can do that. It's a lot of handholding and I'm there with you with every step of the way. You could grab a package. You can ask me a question, dating app audits, and there's free resources. So there's a free guide, free month of meditation, free week of therapy. So check it out. Everything you guys need is always going to be in the show notes, the stand store for now and soon enough on the website. But guys, I'm just so grateful. Thank you for everything. Thank you for just being you and allowing me to be me. So without further ado, let's get right the fuck on into it. Hi, Logan. Welcome to Do The Work Podcast. I am so, so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Sabrina. Of course. And now, when it comes to trauma, I literally could not think of anybody better than a trauma-informed specialist. And like, I've watched so many of your videos that like, I love the way, one, you articulate, one, you educate. I love the way you speak to people and about trauma. So I am just super, super excited, of course. And I wanted to, you know, for anyone in our audience who doesn't know you, I'd love you to just introduce yourself a little so that they can become a little more um, acquainted with you. Sure. um, Primarily, probably define myself as a father and a dad. Um, Happened to be a mental health practitioner. It's kind of what I've I've always done. Um, I'm a a marriage and family therapist. I also supervise for the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy, additional certification as a level two clinical certified trauma professional. Um, And then some of the other professional hats uh, I I wear is I'm a content creator and influencer. Um, And generally kind of just think about myself as a socially conscious entrepreneur. Oh, I love that. That's a really good way to put it. But I think I would love to kind of dive right in like head deep because a lot of the stuff that I do like personally speaking I think the word trauma right now she's getting a bad rep you know like it's thrown around it's like a lot of these words they're thrown around as buzzy of like oh it's my traumas it's this trauma and like 
I get it. I, I am the poster child for anxious attachment of like daddy issues and, you know, having two immigrant parents that like didn't know how to attune to our needs and just always sure. truly, truly normalizing like my experiences, thinking that my dad hitting us was normal or walking out or cheating, all of those things. And so I think for yeah. a lot of people, I would love if we can just kind of talk about really starting with like the big T, little T traumas, but kind of just talking about like what actually is trauma and define it properly and then start kind of going into like how this can just like manifest in your life. Sure. Trauma is really, um, if, if you think about uh, the range of comfort that you have and in clinical psychology, this is called uh, the, your window of tolerance where you can hang out without getting stressed out. Some people is wider. Some people is more narrow. Um, when you go beyond that window of tolerance, there is a brief period of, it's called eustress, which really just means excitement, like positive stress is the, the Latin root. And then if you keep getting stressed out, it turns into distress. Trauma begins where distress goes to the degree where you dissociate. Okay. where your central nervous system can no longer regulate itself. And what happens is the left and right hemisphere, the process of dissociation, I'm going to talk with my hands because that's kind of what, what I do and, and culturally what was, has been normalized for me as well growing up is, so you got the two hemispheres of your brain, the, the left, the very, very thinking, right, very, very feeling. And when that level of distress is broken beyond, the left and right hemisphere don't talk to each other anymore. There's a membrane sheath between them called the corpus callosum that basically it's like the traffic cop between your thoughts and feelings that shuts down. And it basically goes into hibernate mode as a way of protecting you from stress. That is so, so wild. <laughs> right? Oh, it's, okay. And, and so all it's... trauma responses are survival protective responses that the brain and the central nervous system get stuck in, constantly bracing for this traumatic event that already happened. And is there, like, for you, when we're talking like, from the brain perspective, like I think the big T's and little T's, you know, like it being the little traumas that experience when you're a kid versus like those big traumatic experiences. Does your brain see them as the same in that degree of like it's shutting down and how it handles the trauma? Yes. Interesting. Your, your brain really doesn't know the difference. Um, like when, when you get really anxious or even panicky about something, your your brain doesn't know if you're about to get blood drawn or if you just ran into a saber tooth tiger. It and 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 then if then so like if if we avoid whatever we're panicking about, some of that anxiety goes down, and the brain basically goes, "See, I told you this was threatening." Because when we moved away from it, anxiety went down, so it re reinforces that anxiety response. So it doesn't really know the difference. It it knows what we're telling it about it. That is actually fascinating because I wasn't sure if there was like a way to actually be able to differentiate, but that actually does make sense when we really start to think about, you know, like, I, so most of the people that listen are like daters or in the dating world or whatever, and really have that anxiety, like that anxious, that hot, hi, me, the me's of the world. And this is just like a really safe space for us all to kind of come together. But I think for so many folks, the number one thing I hear sure that you can relate to this is the like not a perfect childhood i didn't have what are you talking about i didn't have any trauma no 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 nothing happened i'm just so anxious i can't even sit still for three minutes without getting a text message and so for me what i hear is like one half but like obviously knowing when you're dysregulated I'm like your body doesn't know like you said if there's a tiger next to us or if somebody cut you off on the street it doesn't really your nervous system is going hey gotta keep her safe but when it comes to the folks, let's say that if they're like, man, I've been so anxious for most of my life. I don't even know how to date properly. Like I can't even sit still, but I can't identify my childhood. What do, how do we help? How can people like that get help if they just have no understanding of like where the trauma came from or what trauma even is? You, you don't even have to have memories of the trauma to work through it. And that tends to be more of the case when it is little T trauma. It tends to just be like one after another, after another, after another. 
<laughs> so there's a lot of dissociation over time. So the brain doesn't have a chance to move those memories from working memory into episodic long-term memory where it's all stored in the cerebellum right in the, in the back of your head. What is left over are somatic and emotional flashbacks. That sense of panic that goes through your body, even like, you know, like getting the runs while it's happening or you know, like a, like a, a, a bird that flies off really quickly. Like animals are different species are not too much different from each other when it comes to those survival responses um, or those overwhelming feel, feelings of, of fear, shame, uh, insecurity that seem to just come up out of nowhere. When you run into certain relational dynamics, that's really all you need to know. There is no better time to start a business than in the new year, friends. And I get it. If you've been stuck on, oh, goodness, if I'm going to have a product-based business, how am I going to get it out? Well, then I have the alternative for you, and that is ShipStation. So I personally use ShipStation for software. So when I started software, I didn't know where to begin. I couldn't afford to go to the post office and mail out things, and it was just so expensive. And I, I knew I wanted something else, and that's where ShipStation came in. So ShipStation is the most affordable way to ship everything you sell online. So they have industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, Global Post with up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And I can actually attest to that. It is significantly cheaper to use ShipStation than it would be for you to just do this Han Solo. And over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation. And 98% of those companies stick with ShipStation for a year, become their customers for life. Guys, I love ShipStation. And this is the year that you guys can finally make it profitable by joining ShipStation. So if you use the promo code do the work today at ShipStation.com to sign up, you get a free 30-day trial. So again, that's ShipStation.com and the promo code is do the work. It's a new year, friends. Let's branch out, give your goals a shot, and let ShipStation help your new business today. Interesting. So what you need to know those themes. And then from those themes, you can start getting into the self-talk that we have, the intrusive thoughts that we have informed by those traumatic experiences. We might even not even remember them clearly. And we learn how to regulate our central nervous system, bring ourselves back into rest, recovery, digest, so we can have enough blood flow to our frontal lobe to, to actually execute executive processing and work through those thoughts and feelings and then decide how we would like to move forward from there towards our integrity and creating a, a new narrative um, a, away from the, the trauma narratives around an external locus of control and fear and shame and more towards an internal locus of control and compassion. Spiritual or woo-woo communities tend to call it abundance. Yeah. And now for somebody like, I think... And I get it. Like I was, I was her. For me, I like I, I, I normalized my trauma. I normalized all the experiences because it's like, of course, that's my coping mechanism of just being like, it's fine, just keep moving, just fine, just keep going. Until it was my late twenties where I was like, okay, you married your father. There's got to be something here. Like I was it, it, that exact thing. And for me, I went into therapy, and then therapy led to tapping, which led to ketamine treatments with your child. Like the list went on and on. And I continue to explore new modalities. But I think for anybody right now, is there anything like do we just do people have to work with a professional to deal with especially those I know big T's I would imagine but the little T's or is there something that they can do for them like self-help I would say both okay because the, the you you can't self-heal or self-help through all of it yeah especially when it's been relational trauma as as you know a lot of the triggers won't even make themselves known until you get into relational dynamics. Now, part of the healing has to happen within a healthy relationship. That's not going to sound very attractive to a lot of people listening to this podcast, I would imagine. It just sounds like the scariest, catastrophic thing ever I just you know, described. But if, if you've been wounded relationally, Part of the work will be learning to regulate yourself, um, reworking those core beliefs, learning to have faith in your ability over time, see that in your mind's eye, and then learning other interpersonal skills and ways of, of working through the trials and tribulations that present themselves within those relational dynamics that mimic the, the traumatic experiences. 
No, you're hundred percent right. I don't think people are going to like that because, and not in a, not because there's anything wrong with it, but because it is a reality and it's a reality. Honestly, I faced myself. Cause like I, same thing was doing a lot of work single was doing a lot of work. And then, and then you're dating and you're like, it's that comment of like, once I get a boyfriend, I'll be fine. I'm not going to like, I just need to get them and then I'll be okay. It's like the least fine you're going to be. Is yeah. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, is that accurate? Because now that I'm in like the healthiest, most secure relationship, I am triggered left, right, and center by stupid little things of like, Hey babe, do you want to go do this? No. And I'll just look and all of a sudden I'll, I'll recoil inside and I'm like, he said You're no to you. You're me, aren't you? Exactly. I'm like, he doesn't like me. He doesn't love me anymore. Yeah. I will create, I am a store. I am, I'm an author, if you will. I will create the narrative of the day. But for me now, of course, in those moments, I've had to do the, wait a minute, what's happening in your body, Sabrina? You know this feeling. This is very familiar. Regulate. And I'll just be like, okay. And then of course, a couple of minutes later, he'll be like, babe, sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. I just meant blah, blah, blah. And that's where... I've had so many experiences with him now where I'm like, let it, let it play out. But I think for a lot of other people, they see it as like, oh, whatever. I just need to get into a relationship and then I'll be fine. But I'd actually love to know, like, I have a theory on this, but I'd like to know your thoughts. I think for, for a lot of people, they see it as like, I'm just experiencing this in my relationships. No, 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 no. I don't have it in any other place in my life. At least for me, I thought that until I became a business owner and was like, oh, there's that anxiety. There are those limiting beliefs. There are those core beliefs. Do you see, is it, I mean, do you normally see like if somebody has that high anxiety in relationships that it will transfer over into other areas of their life? It, it's going, it's definitely going to be in other areas of life because human beings are fundamentally social creatures. We're relational and we relate to people in all kinds of different areas of life functioning. So really any places that you run into other humans, which for humans is going to be a lot of places, um, they're going to happen. They might be more subtle and nuanced, um, not, not as dripping with adrenaline as you've kind of been conditioned over time to believe this is where it's happening because this is where all the blood spatter tends to be and don't like notice the the smaller ones. But yeah, they'll, they'll be more generalized. I Because I get that all the time. They're like, no, 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 I, my career's fine. My friends are fine. And I'm like, okay you don't experience like, you know, when you text a friend and like, they don't answer. And all of a sudden then like subconsciously, I'm just going in my head of like, did I say something wrong? Did I bother them? Did I upset them? I don't even have the time notice. And now I've been able to like, whoa, okay. Hey, let's not own this, but I can't be, it can't just be that like only in relationships, though. I do understand that that interpersonal relationships will mimic those that of, of younger years. But I did want to actually ask you about core beliefs because I think those core beliefs, I'm too needy. I'm too much. I'm too whatever the is, is that yeah. like a, is that a, I don't know about trauma response, but like where, how does that fit? Is it? Yeah. I was gonna say, is it a trauma response? It's part of it. Okay. It's part of it. It's a, it's a layer of it. Um, and, we, and what tends to happen is when we get dysregulated enough, they tend to come up as intrusive thoughts. They just like flash. And, totally. And it, it's not even, it, it, it comes up unconsciously and we're not even aware that it's self-talk it, it's it's assumed fact yeah <laughs> i know about the my, my sister always used to play the game with me of sabrina where'd you learn that from and i got really good at being like dad or just pinpointing surviving yeah exactly like coping because i know i'm like yeah. the, the challenge the coping mechanisms i created in my childhood were going to be the challenges i was going to face in my adult relationships because yeah. That's like, I think for so many people, especially that fear of abandonment, that it feels so real and it feels so intense, but can, from a trauma specialist, can you say it out of your words, that if people actually start to deal with those triggers and the wounds, that it, those feelings over time don't have to feel as intense and traumatic, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can absolutely reprogram your brain. And so that is and actually- that, that sounds crazy. I was like going to say, that's like, like <laughs> how does that, how long, like, can we talk about the process of, of that, of the brain? Like, I know obviously neuroplasticity and, 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 and things like sure. that, but like what, for when we're talking healing trauma, what does that look like? It looks like recognizing when you're getting to that place, mm -hmm. having, and then having done enough work with you know, trauma-informed professional or professionals that helps you identify where you're operating with really strong confirmation bias mm -hmm. rooted in the trauma that you wouldn't have otherwise 
understood because you're human and human beings process information egocentrically. We can only be aware of so much at one time. And when you recognize yourself getting there, going ahead and assuming that your mode of operandi is going to be these very external locus of control, shame-based, fear-based, pessimistic beliefs, in creating new ones, you're going to have to write them from scratch and giving yourself an opportunity to sit in a space where you're self-soothing, regulating yourself, getting yourself back to rest, recovery, digest, and literally meditating on this new core belief until your endocrine system gets the message mm -hmm. and starts decreasing the cortisol and adrenaline, dumps out a bit of dopamine and serotonin, endorphins or oxytocin, whatever's happening that is, is either associated with this new core belief or with how you're regulating yourself. And then you go manifest what you want that to be so then you can experience it at an even more impactful level and over the time what fires together wires together but for this this old core belief that you as a throwaway comment it was like i'm i'm too needy um that's a very common one around abandonment trauma and betrayal trauma and a, a, a new one that you might reframe or rewrite is I'm a human and humans have needs, which means that sometimes I have needs too. I've been taught through scary, painful experiences that I didn't get to control that they should be something that I'm ashamed of and put me at risk of abandonment. But again, I'm a human with feelings. It's okay to have those feelings. And I know some people that I can talk to who I can trust and co-regulate with to give me a bit of validation and help normalize the experience I'm having. And I'll move through this. Because feelings are not facts, they're energy, and they will dissipate if I let them breathe. Some version of this, right? Yeah. And But it, you're going to have to write it from scratch. Yeah. Like you, the, the whole like be who you needed when you were a kid, like you're going to have to be that parent for yourself as an adult now. Yeah. I the inner child work and like reparenting. At first I was kind of just like, what the fuck is this? Like I have to, to talk to myself. Like, this is great. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. one of my favorite things to do. And it was oh, yeah. in those moments of like these little memories. I remember even just like having one very specific one that I didn't realize that memory, the impact it had, like how that one situation of my dad walking out and losing, like him, him saying something for me to trust him and then him doing what he said he wouldn't do. And I didn't trust him. I never understood how that was going to translate into like my career and being scared and scarcity mindset and things like that. And I remember even just having one thought, one, even knowing that it was possible to expand my thought process because I had the thought of just because dad couldn't tune to your needs didn't mean that your needs were too much. And I remember even just being like, wow, I can even hold space for that thought, that even alone of even just being able to like, I recognize something contrary to the original one and then building off of that, like, well, I validate your needs and I'm here to listen to your needs and I want you to share them with me. I didn't love myself by like taking like bubble baths and face masks and saying I'm a bad bitch in the mirror every day. It's like, I loved myself. That sounds like fun though. It does sound like, don't get me wrong. She's queued up and ready for after. But the real like, because this kind of brings me into like our next, what I'd love to really get your your thoughts on here is of like, the, by doing that, I actually was able to accept myself. I wasn't looking at myself as I'm a fucking, you know, wounded bird and I'm a victim and everything. Oh, everybody just can't handle me. I actually empowered myself to say, people like my father who are limited can't handle my needs. That's okay. I can handle my needs and I can satisfy my needs. Hence why with my partner, I'm able to know when to when to ask for the reassurance and when to give it to myself. But I think for lots of folks, what we're really struggling with is like being okay being alone, like having that acceptance. And I would imagine that if you come from a deep root of trauma, of being scared that you're going to always be alone, that as an adult now in relationships, like right before I came live, someone asked, right before coming on, someone asked me to ask you, how do I, what do I do about my loneliness? How can I move on from, I just feel so lonely. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
let's talk about this. I'd love your thoughts on like just alone versus lonely and just like being okay, being yeah. single when you're scared all your life that you're going to be abandoned. The short answer would be by making friends with yourself. Long answer. <laughs> yeah. So the let, let's just go ahead and reframe self-love into what I think the mystics meant by this. But even, you know, like look, this unconditional love of God from this, it, it's all about allegories that teach us and remind us that we are creative forces, that all beings are, and that in order to seek truth, we must also have compassion, that they're woven together. It's, it's not self-adoration. It's not self-glossiness, self-bubble baths, as you put it. It's self-compassion. Yeah. It's permission to be who we are now, yeah. good, bad, and the ugly. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Guys, I know we've all made New Year's resolutions and we claim and we think and we, uh, but without the proper help, it's going to be really difficult for you to achieve those goals because you can want all of these things. And again, why I don't like if he wanted to, he would, you can want a lot of things, but without the bandwidth and the tools in order to get them and work through the issues that you've had, it's going to be really difficult in order to achieve those goals. And that's why I love BetterHelp. I started with BetterHelp. That was the start of my journey. And yeah, it took me a minute to find a therapist that I loved, but that's why I love their platform. You can go on, you fill out a questionnaire. And they always have new options. So you can just press choose a new therapist and bam, you'll have a whole list of new ones. You can email them, tell them what you're looking for. And they're really supportive and they're there to help. So supportive. I was actually able to get tech guy to join BetterHelp because he also realized entering in the new year, he needs somebody to talk to because yes, we have a beautiful relationship, but outside of that, we all need support. And that's why BetterHelp is such a beautiful website because it's it's there when you need somebody. It's there when you need somebody in that moment. And it's there for somebody that doesn't have the resources and can't leave the house. It's virtual and you can talk to somebody in the comfort of your own home. So guys, let's celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash DTW, as in do the work, DTW today to get 10% off your first month. So that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DTW to get 10% off your first month. Y'all, I can't wait to hear about your journey and how BetterHelp can help you come home to yourself. I think that kind of goes back to like that acceptance of just like really looking at myself and saying, okay, so I was, you know, you're a big personality. That's okay. Like you can't beat them all. You can't win. My mom has always said to me, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. And I, I think when it comes to dating, it's so hard, you know, like I know you obviously you have children and, and a potentially a partner. And so it's like, you know, when you're with somebody, of course, now we're like, oh yeah, the good old days of dating. But like, I, I've only been with my partner a year. I remember those good old days of dating of really just being so scared of being alone and like, just that I'm always going to be alone and da, da, that narrative. And I think now I want to know like that, that compassion, that acceptance, do you think like if for people that are really struggling with like, am I ever going to find anybody and blah, 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 like how can they start? Is it really just like about starting to in interject some other thoughts into this or like what can we give to folks that are really just struggling with being with themselves and that they're the, the scarcity mindset really is where I'm going with this. It, it, it comes down to redeveloping faith in yourself as a creative force. And again, like this is these concepts have been bastardized by high control religions over and over again. Um, but when when you're rooted in your own sense of purpose about what you do, how you move, how you go about making hard decisions or confusing decisions according to what values that align with your personal integrity, and you can have faith in yourself as an agent of change over time, and you know where you're going. You care so much less about validation from other people. Mm -hmm. Which actually is like a great segue to bring us kind of into like, I think by what you're describing, by doing that, you really understand who you actually are. Like, what are your needs? What are your wants? What are your desires? Like, sometimes I'll even ask, like when I work with clients of like dating and I'll be like, what is it that you want? And you can see their face. I'm like, you've never even thought about that, have you? You've never even stopped to say, I want this or I need this or whatever. And I think- 
by doing this practice and like for anyone listening, it's like, it doesn't mean that you have to be single forever. And like, you have to be alone in order to do this. It's like, no, but by reconnecting with yourself, listen, if you're alone, great time to do it. Right. But I think then we kind of segue into like, you've got this great sense of self and then you get into these relationships, codependency, because I'll tell you, mama felt guilty of that. My ex was a narcissist. He was my father. My father is like textbook narcissism. And so was my partner, like no empathy, no accountability, like grandiosity, really arrogant. Like even people will message me like, he's such a fucking narcissist. And I'm like, it's not just me, but we were codependent. Like I, if he said he was going to be home at eight, I had to be there at seven 59. Cause I was like, no, 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 I can't not be home with him. And I think I'd love to hear your thoughts of like, what is codependency clinically, like actually? Codependency is when two people who struggle with self-regulation and self-awareness use each other as the projective object for why things aren't going right. Oh, I love that definition. Okay. I actually have never heard that before. And now like, how does that manifest? Can we give examples of just like behavior so people can know? Because I think people would probably wonder like, how do you know if you're in a codependent relationship? Obviously my example is one, but yeah. Sure. I mean, a a pretty typical and higher functioning one would be uh, partners who are both really anxious. So they tend to compulsively avoid conflict. And in doing so, develop a lot of resentment for each other. And then they're able to tell themselves that if their partner weren't just such a effing whatever, this and that, yada, 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 whatever they're resentful about, that they're expecting their partner to read their mind about anyway, then their lives would be that much better. That makes so much sense. I remember I had one person, I said something of like, we were talking about, I was like, you know, when you're like this person's in addition to your life, not instead of like, you have a relationship. They don't become your life. Like you still have a life. They have a life and you're building one together. And I had a girl comment. Absolutely not. I, he is the center of my world. And if I'm not the center of his universe, he can fuck off. And I was like, no, baby, that's, that sounds like codependency. I was like, that sounds like you want each other to be each other's like main focus. And to me, that just sounds like, I think for a lot of people, they're probably listening going, but what's the problem with that? So like, what would be the negatives of being in a codependent relationship? So I I like how you put the, uh, a relationship should make you better and should make each partner better. It should bolster who you already are and what you're already good at and make you even better and empowered at doing those things. Part of that is checking your confirmation bias because we are fundamentally egocentric animals. So if if you can't have open, direct, compassionate conflict with your partner, that's a really limiting relationship to be in. But I don't think I could have said that any better. Because like I see that it's like, I'm sure you hear that. Oh, I don't want to say anything because then he'll walk away. Oh, I don't want to say something and rock the boat. And it's like, oh, don't worry. You'll, it'll be more detrimental if you don't say anything than if you do. Because oh, yeah. if this person can't handle a conversation or, you know, like my ex, like we were so intertwined, but it became that it started to become where like, we were so intertwined with each other that when I did want to have a life outside of it, that became an issue where it was, I was abandoning him and how dare I, and he was really trying to keep me away from people. Now with codependency, I know you had said like for two anxious folk, can it also manifest with somebody? Cause like, I know with a narcissist and some, and they're, that, that could be a trauma bond, which is the next thing I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. But when it comes to codependency, does it normally just happen between two anxious folk or do we see this as well in different kind of attachment styles with each other? All, all kinds of different attachment styles or mental health issues and symptoms. Um, it, it's very common for someone with an insecure anxious attachment style to be partnered with someone who's more avoidant. And the uh, avoidant person can withdraw and continue telling themselves that if this anxious attachment person would just stop freaking badgering them, that they would be willing to be more authentic and engage when 
they're withdrawing to get the person to pursue them so they can blame them. And well, meanwhile, the anxiously attached person who's pursuing is going, gosh, if this other person would just like tune into me and, and be with me and be present with me, then I could finally regulate your, myself. And so you can't regulate yourself because you're relying on validation from someone who's not willing to give you validation is the only thing that's going to regulate yourself. So of course you're perpetually dysregulated. And then just kind of ring around the rosy. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like a cyclical thing. But now enter in trauma bonds, because I think I had one and you can tell me like I had one therapist and we like I remember saying something to her and she was like, you trauma bonded. Her definition of that was we bonded over a share the fact that we had the same dad, like same similar traumas. But that's not. I think to my understanding, like that's a bonding yeah. over trauma, I think, but not the traditional trauma bond. So I'd love to know, we, we know what codependency is now. What is that sure. differentiation between a trauma bond and that? So a, a trauma bond is when you've been in an abusive relationship with somebody and they're using a lot of these power and control tactics a lot of manipulation and coercion sometimes it becomes physically violent sometimes it doesn't the physical violence doesn't necessarily have to be there for this to happen and so there's this cycle of abuse that's constantly happening there's baseline and then tension building and an outburst and honeymooning and love bombing and then baseline tension building and the outburst and what happens is the person being victimized in that relationship learns to become hypervigilant about their abusive partner as the only way to keep themselves safe and keep tabs of this tension building phase before you get to the outburst phase. They're essentially conditioned or trained to placate the abuser. And over time, even start... This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. So whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is there to help you do all three. You get to say hello to our most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll love, delivered right to your door. The reason I love HelloFresh is because it's packed with farm-fresh ingredients and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less food waste. Guys, when I was single... It was so difficult for me to buy food and to make meals. Even now, Tech Guy and I have different, like, we like different kinds of food. I am significantly less adventurous than he is. And that's why I love HelloFresh because it comes pre-portioned. It's quick. It's easy. And I love my breakfast item because I do not eat breakfast. It is a problem that I have. And I love that HelloFresh has now included a free breakfast item in every box. And so that is what I am gifting to you guys. So if you go to HelloFresh.com slash do the work free and use the code do the work free you get a free breakfast item for life so that's one breakfast item per box while subscription is active so that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash do the work free with the code do the work free don't forget to enter the codes so you get your free breakfast remember it's a very important meal of the day guys so i'm excited and i can't wait for you guys to try america's number one meal kit with hellofresh defining their own values and needs according to this cycle of abuse. It, there's a degree of Stockholm syndrome within it. That's what I was, it was starting to remind me of that. Yeah. It, I mean, it very much is, it's, it's just kind of in a, in a, in, in a romantic, uh, in an abusive relationship. <clears throat> so it's, from it sounds like the past therapist, they're a bit bit confused, and it sounds like what what you were describing more was a codependency, right? Like, yeah, we kind of root ourselves back to this trauma that we went through together as why we're you know a little neurotic or stuck in these places or whatever. But at least we have each other, eh? And meanwhile, yeah. we're like sleeping in the latrine every night. Um, the 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 trauma bond has the, the elements of captor captive and that the captive loses their sense of self within whatever they think they have to do to keep themselves safe within the cycle of abuse that i i saw firsthand with my mom and she to this day she my mom with after my father leaving a narcissistic marriage 
she says to this, she's like, I didn't know who the fuck I was. I completely lost myself. And I remember for so many years, my mom would be like, no, 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 let me just, if I don't say this, he'll be fine. And it's like, and then he would blow up and it would be that same thing. And then my mom would blame herself and go right back into that loop. And I'll never forget my mom telling me that when in Florida, they had to go to a therapist in order to mentioned this on a different episode, but like by the, in Florida, you have to go to a therapist to divorce. That's like kind of the, the rules that they had. And so my father went and my, cause I asked her, I said, how the fuck did you get him to a therapist? And she's like, oh, he had to, that's the only way he was going to get the paperwork signed. And my mom said that when they're in there, she's crying and she's telling the therapist that she's trying and all this. And my dad just looks and goes, all right, you know what, hell, I'm, gonna, I'm enough with this. And he looks at the therapist and says, can you tell her what's wrong with her so that we could just be done and move on with this? And my mom, of course, is going, everything's right. You know, she's going into that. And when they walked out of the office, the therapist grabbed my mom. And she's like, I, I, I know that, like, you know, this kind of goes against the grains of what I'm allowed to say. And she was like, you're dodging a bullet. You need to run as quickly as you can because this is a this is a narcissist. And my mom, it's taken her 15 years after they're more. I, they, they've been divorced for almost 20 to even be able to, like, I'll see the effects of that. 25 years of that cycle where, you know, she'll say, she'll put herself out there and people are saying, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing. And her response is, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. Oh my God, I sound so stupid. What, what's wrong with me? And you can see just, she's so used to beating herself up. Now, I, I, I think for the, for a lot of people listening, they have been in this experience. I get people every day of like, I was in a trauma bond and I'm struggling to go no contact. What do I do? I'd love to hear your thoughts because I would imagine after you're done with that relationship where you finally move on i know with me after my ex you lose yourself you don't trust yourself because of course this person was telling you how to pretty much live how can people handle this if they're going through the ending or the no contact time period especially with a narcissist like how can they move through this really three main pieces to it first relearning how to regulate yourself is you're, you're going to be chronically dysregulated so you need to learn how to upregulate from a freeze response and downregulate from the fight or flight response um second you have to rebuild your sense of purpose and who you are and what you're about and who you have faith in as the thinker of the thoughts the feeler of the feelings the sensor of the sensations the the conductor of the orchestra your higher self um and a lot of times it's also really helpful to get very familiar with uh, power and control wheels, learning how to identify manipulation and coercion at a very nuanced, granular level. Um, and, and it's an area that doesn't get a lot of attention because it comes from domestic violence research. And you know what, what we're describing is domestic violence. Um, and they're like the the buzzword of narcissist and narcissism like really took off several years ago. At the end of the day, this is all domestic violence. And but it has such a negative connotation. Like that's how the, the in those families on the other side of the tracks doesn't happen in our neighborhood. That it's easier to to call it this this other stuff. But what, calling it the buzzwords keeps it mystical. Yeah. It keeps it um, almost kind of fetishized in a way that you can't really put your finger on it and you know, make it more black and white and granular. So learning how to identify those tactics of manipulation and coercion helps you reclaim trust in your own discernment of other people's behavior. So you can have a chance of seeing who you want to dance with and not. I was going to say, I feel like that rebuilding trust in yourself is like... Because it's true that for so long you have somebody telling you that everything you do is wrong, that you're you're doing it wrong and you're not right. And you can only trust them that after it's like even just being able, I remember even for me, the one thing that was a game changer was stopping to say, how does this feel? Like just something to the average human being like, really? That's what did it? Yeah, that's what fucking did it. Stopping to say, wow, I didn't realize for, for me a year of being with my ex what my nervous system was going through. I, I just, you know, you're, you're going through the motions. And like you said to before, you're just trying to think, okay, if I do this, then this will change, right? Okay, if I can just get them to do this. And I think, I hope that if anybody took anything away from our entire conversation here, it's like you, when we're talking about like these big serious issues, 
waiting for someone else to act differently so that you can feel better sounds like you're setting yourself up for disaster, right? Uh, that that would be a um, a very polite form of self sabotage. <laughs> I actually I would love to know self sabotage. I want to tack this on really quick because you mentioned it. I know one of my friends. She always says she's like I don't like to say self sabotage, self protection, whatever. But for a lot sure. of people that are like in, in kind of experiencing that, because I think it kind of goes into everything that we're experiencing. That self sabotage, self protection is that just like rooted in that deep, like earlier learned experiences of like how to keep yourself safe? Mm -hmm. as, as both what we experience with caretakers as well as what we saw caretakers doing. If we grow up in environments that are really chaotic and dysfunctional, like a, as an example, what you described, and there's one parent obviously acting an ass, what we tend to do, Carl, Carl Jung, uh, called it the, that that member of the family becomes the shadow bearer. They're like everything bad and nasty is happening because of them. They're they're the source of the nasties. So th then the only other alternative the child has is to look at the other caretaker as the bearer of light, and they idealize the heck out of that parent. A lot of times, what that parent doing is also a lot of enabling codependency stuff. So we tend to go like, okay, you're awful and yucky. And then in the back of our mind, we think of the other parent as being this role model citizen. And every, you know, probably doing the best they know to, to do in the, in the time and not that they shouldn't be a role model and a great person who protected us through all kinds of scared and scary and wonky experiences. They certainly didn't teach us good mate selection. They certainly didn't participate in, um, model healthy conflict resolution still didn't you know taught us to to pine after this really chaotic and dysfunctional person as the only way that you can feel safe in your own skin and it just becomes more and more normalized i was gonna say yeah i think a lot of people ask all the time like how do i stop self-sabotaging and i'm like i'd love to hear like if you have any kind of like step-by-step -step. i always i'm like what how is this protecting you is a good place to start but like for the people that are like i always self-sabotage and blah blah what tips do you have for them on being able to, at the very least, like stop making themselves to be like the villain? Probably starting with a trigger log. Oh, I love that. And uh, time and date, then what happened? What are your thoughts and feelings about it? And then what you actually did. And then every now and again, going back to those experiences in finding the median themes, finding like like the you know the the main themes that you tend to be reacting to, and what your behavior tends to be in response to it, and taking a look at how it played out. Did that play out in a way that helped me meet my integrity, or did I participate in my own suffering a bit in hindsight? And then from those positions, usually two or three themes light up, and you can claim ownership about what you get to control and start thinking about how you can create a different narrative. Yeah. I, I actually really love that. The, the trauma log. I think that's actually a really great idea to at least have some kind of, you know, I, our brain is the first thing that's going to fuck up their memories. So at least to be able to cog like have some kind of paper, because even just as you were saying, and I was like, okay, so, so many people are like, oh, I, 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 I self-sabotaged again. And I like walked away from this guy because I mean, we need to run being mad, but like, I didn't really give him a chance. And why do I keep doing this? And it's like, it sounds like you're trying to protect yourself from getting hurt because you weren't living. That's what's like you said, if we can start to nap, map out, okay, what happened in your body? What was that, that moment right before, you know, or right when you told him, fine, fuck off and walked out what was happening for you because I'm fairly certain more often than not, we can trail that back somewhere that that was a reaction versus a response. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. And, and they, they are, they're protective responses and, 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 and I don't want to say this, a uh, mirage of control responses. You can tell yourself that you know how it was going to play out anyway, by just going ahead and kicking the table over. Like, see, the table always goes over. You kicked it. Exactly. Before I went over. Like, but I knew it would. You know, it's like, how did you? Know? Yeah. You don't say. You're like, one plus one equal two. And it's like, I knew it. You're like, well, yeah, because 
All right, fine. No, I actually, I love the way you said that. It's true. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy of like, all men are trash. And it's like, well, if you keep going out there with that mindset that like, they're just going to hurt me or all men are going to cheat on me or no, no, no guys want commitment. It's like, I would imagine your brain is just going to be like, great, let's keep finding more of this. Like, let's just keep going because when all you know is all you know, like you said, we have to write the script. I think people look at me and they're like, no, you're confident. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how many times I had to rewrite the script? How many times I had to yeah. be like, you're deserving of love, knowing inside that I was like, no, she's not. But I had to start accepting a new reality of like, no, there are good men out there. Of course, the reaction was, no, they're not. Yes, there are. And and I, I mean, as even as the, the example that you just gave, people are like, oh, men are trash. No, they're like, they're all Pepe Le Pew. Um, <laughs> you're, what you're going to come off as is a really distrustful, combative person. So people who are Pepe Le Pew are going to go, mm, mm-hmm. she's difficult. Challenge accepted. I was going to say, let me like, have it. Yeah. Like that, I, I want to conquer her. It's funny because as you said, that trust thing, I actually had I'd made a video once where I was like a red flag for me is somebody that like says, I don't trust anyone. And people were like, well, I had trauma and I don't trust anyone. And I was like, yeah, that's you know, now you're just projecting that onto everyone else, because if you're going to go around, I don't trust anybody. So everybody has to prove that I'm, I'm not saying that you should. I'm a neurotic New Yorker. Of course, I don't trust. I don't believe anybody. But like. I don't enter into situations half empty. Now you have to pour it to convince me it's full. And I think like if we if you enter in with that, then yeah, of course, you're just going to be seeing that versus being like, well, I trust myself, right? I know that no matter what, I'll be okay. I don't necessarily have to trust them, but I know that my decisions I trust, which means that I'll figure this out. And, and even if we kind of think about it further, a demand that people pour into our cup first in order to be willing to place a bet ourselves is actually a pretty fundamentally entitled position to have. Which we are in a place like that. Because I, it's even like some of this, some of these fucking, there's like a, a coach online and she's saying, you have to wait three months to kiss somebody. And I'm like, are you, this is a joke, right? And I was like, so you want everyone to, has to everyone has to prove everything to you before you can say, fine, I'll be vulnerable and let you in. But what you're actually doing is like, you're just gamifying things. So if I'm going to dangle a carrot and say, no, 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 you got to come here to get it. Like you said, Pepe Le Pew is going, mm, snack time versus someone secure is like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to do this. Like you just, you connect you're with me. You're not don't. authentic. I'm going over here. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Logan, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. And I'm like, just so jazzed that you and I got to like really kind of debunk, especially with someone like of your stature that has worked so incredibly in the field. I wanted somebody that like actually has the facts because I'm just so tired of my narc ex. And you're like, no, girl, you had one day with this guy and he just didn't call you. Let's stop calling him your narc ex. But regardless, thank you so much. And I want to know for anybody that wants to find you, everything will be linked in the show notes, but how can they, how can people work with you or find you? You can just go to my website at logancohen.com. Power and control wheels and PDF form to send out to you as a, as a freebie. There's all kinds of information either about working with me directly about a book that I wrote, as well as my social media platforms on the the big ones on healing humanity, seven, seven, seven. Perfect. And I'll link everything in the show notes. So if anybody wants to find you in any place, um, and I didn't know you had a book. So great. I can add that to the Amazon store, Yay! but awesome. Of course. Thank you again. So, so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sabrina.